there, you're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a Thing Park Podcast. I'm Tom. Joining me, as ever, is Josh. Hello there. Hello there, Josh. How's it going? Very good, thank you. How about yourself? Well, I'm feeling pretty good because we've reached the end today of the Euro Rush trip reports. Finally, my poor ailing memory will be put out of its misery and I won't have to... <laughs> reach back months into the past to try and remember what I had for breakfast on a sunny morning in June before yeah. going on a roller coaster. <laughs> That's not to say I haven't enjoyed reminiscing, but if if a lesson's been learned from this, it's to record your trip reports in a timely fashion, I think it's fair to say. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, on time at the time or uh, never at all yeah i think that's i think that's a good approach one we shall take upon our visit to disneyland paris which is coming up very soon indeed so keep an eye out on all the socials at links.parkcrush.com to keep up to date with our disneyland paris escapades this week as you listen to this it will be happening this week park oh, yeah. rush team We'll be back at Disneyland Paris. Very exciting indeed. The extended Park Crush team, no less. Former former guests, uh, the artists of the logo, or artist, I should say. Uh, mm. Let's crack on then. So if you were here last week, you will know that we're rounding things out with Europa Park. It was a massive park, the biggest that we went on by far as part of our European Thing Park road trip in the summer. We did two very full-on days and so it requires two very full-on episodes of the podcast. The way we decided to break it up was to do all of the roller coasters last week, which leaves us with the rest of the rides that we did uh, to talk about today. There will be stuff that we left on the cutting room floor. There were, you know, kiddie rides, a few of the flat rides that we didn't get to. We ate a fair amount at Europa Park. We did not eat everywhere that was available to us. God, no. So... We will not claim that this is the absolute definitive guide to Europa Park, but we will, of course, uh, talk, I think, in pretty glowing terms about just about everything that we did. As ever, we're going to use the Twitter threads from the days as a sort of as a helper to guide us around the park. So if you want to join in with those, then they are in the show notes uh, and you can follow along with us. There are, of course, vlogs as well, and uh, those are well worth watching. There are some very visually striking rides that we got footage of at Europa Park. Right, let's crack on then, Josh. And Europa Park, out in Roost, a fair drive from where we were staying in Strasbourg in France. So we were actually in France, Europa Park is in Germany, but uh, Strasbourg was not a bad place to base ourselves for Europa Park. Uh, well, it was about half an hour, 40-minute drive, yeah. something like that. A, a very pleasant drive, it has to be said. Yes, absolutely. The vehicular fun was not over upon arrival, Josh, because I think I'm right in saying that our very first <laughs> ride at Europa Park was Volo Da Vinci. Oh, yes. Which is, uh, which I, I, I compared to uh, an invention that you might have seen in Assassin's Creed back in the day. The Assassin's Creed games, which were set in uh, Renaissance Italy, uh, where you played as an assassin called Ezio and 
you partnered up at one point with Leonardo da Vinci himself, who basically filled the role of like Lucius Fox from Batman or Q from James Bond and made your gadgets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and he makes a flying machine at some point in those games, I think. And you you get on board a flying machine uh, for Volo da Vinci. And I don't know about you, Josh, but I'm absolutely convinced that the pedals that they put on those on those machines they're doing all the work oh yeah absolutely it's all all calves all the time quite a good way to start i thought it was uh you know woke you up got you got you going loosen the legs up for a long day of walking around yeah for sure some uh good views as well i mean this park has some fantastic sight lines a running theme as we said last week is that the interactions are off the scale i mean it might not be for everybody you may well uh, you may well walk around Europa Park and find it, frankly, too busy. But mm. I, I loved it. I loved all the ways in which the different rides kind of interacted and and uh, sort of interconnected with one another at different points. And as you say, some really nice views from Volo da Vinci, which, uh, as the name suggests, was in a sort of Italian-themed area of the park. Uh, it split up by countries much like Epcot would be some fine footage of Rollo da Vinci both in the Twitter thread and in the vlog to give you an idea of the uh, of the sights you can expect if you go on that ride and and I'm sure you know very family friendly to uh, a good ride for the kids yeah absolutely I think the kids you know will love the well I would love maybe a strong word but being able to actually physically do something on the ride is always adds a little bit more for kids I think and so being able to pedal uh, and get that involvement will add to their enjoyment of the ride yeah even though it's like illusionary I mean it's the same same thing that appeals about like the Tomorrowland Speedway and the Legoland Driving School and those kinds of rides. The Legoland Driving School, you're actually involved. Gosh, not, is it? I can't. I don't remember. I do have a Legoland driving license, but it's not on a I mean, track have, like the Speedway at all. Is it not? No. Oh God, my memory. They're basically. I mean, I would have been about five years old. They're basically slow bumper cars. I was going to say you learn something new every day. But it's more accurate to say you remember something old every day and then think, <laughs> "I'm old." Yeah, that is the problem. Uh, yeah, alas. All right, well, uh, let's cheer ourselves up with uh, depictions of suicide in <laughs> Geisterschloss. Oh, which, yes. Uh, it was, I think, uh, the, the second ride we did here. Uh, it translates to Ghost Castle. And as you might have guessed already, this very akin to Haunted Mansion at Disney World stroke Disneyland. And whichever one of these came first, I think would have good grounds to file a copyright claim against <laughs> against the other, because, gosh, this thing is uh, almost beat for beat the haunted mansion. Just I think even more chaotic. And I, and just as I said, hey, look, some might not like, or some may find Europa Park overall to be a little bit too busy. I think that throw the kitchen sink approach that permeates the park is also present on this ride in particular like Haunted Mansion feels quite considered and restrained compared to this where it is just an absolute all out assault on the senses 
for the entire duration and I, I mean I loved it but it is a lot it's non-stop and there is a variety of excellent uh, things going on and also uh, not quite so excellent things going on you know just in terms of how good the animatronics are and things like that and it's space it is non-stop uh, it's, it's truly the what you can say about it and actually really good fun I think overall if you uh, if you do enjoy this sort of thing yeah absolutely uh, I mean just to emphasize how similar to the haunted mansion this is you've got singing heads at one point there's a ballroom scene it's an omni mover ride and there is a part where you go backwards as you do on the haunted mansion uh, there's a stretching room and as I say there yeah, is also a scene at the start uh, where somebody appears to hang themselves and it is a pretty graphic I think it's fair to say this one is I mean uh, arguably more graphic maybe oh yeah 100% it really is I think the only thing that because I, I mean I don't I, I don't really know how tough kids would would find this you know it would it be too spooky would it be inappropriate I, d I don't know from my perspective the only thing that would stop this from being genuinely inappropriate for some children is the fact that the 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 models the characters the monsters they're all quite uh, they're almost like Muppets-esque in, in a sense you know like they're they're, they're very caricature-ish yeah. and, and big and expressive and I think that that saves it like if these were depicted more realistically then I think the context would be uh, much more impactful because as I say there's uh, there's a lot of <laughs> questionable stuff going on over the course of the ride yeah uh, you know I think if you uh, enjoy a haunted mansion as an adult I think you will definitely enjoy this as well yeah absolutely I think it actually makes sense to kind of step away from the ordering of the twitter threads just briefly because if, we've, if we're going to talk about Europa Park's take on Haunted Mansion, then we should really probably also now talk about its take on another Disney classic, The Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, yeah, so, Pirates of Batavia. Yeah, yeah, Pirates of Batavia. Uh, so this stars, rather than Johnny Depp's Jack Sparrow, this stars Bartholomew Van Robbermond. <laughs> on his search for the mystical dagger of Batavia, the fire tiger. Legend has it, whoever owns the dagger is invulnerable. Uh, so this is an underground boat ride. It's eight minutes long. And again, like Haunted Mansion, structurally, it is incredibly similar to Pirates of the Caribbean at Disney. I mean, there are scenes that seemingly have been ripped straight from it. You know, you go through a a port town, a harbour town, you go through a prison scene, there's a cave, there's a ship battle. It's got it all. And yeah. it's fantastic, don't get me wrong. It, it's derivative, but I think it knows it is and goes all out. And, and I think the approach that Europa Park clearly takes with both this and Haunted Mansion is hey, look, if you're going to uh, come for the king, you best not miss. You know, give it your absolute all. And to be fair, they do. And I think this is another good example of that. It's it's very well put together indeed. Yes. Uh, 
some might argue it's better than Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, it's just, it's a bit more varied. Um, it feels longer. I don't know if it is longer, uh, if I'm honest. And it just, there's just so much going on. It's like, it's, there's like no one, no, no two scenes are the same. The scenes feel very big still, um, but every scene is different. And it's, I think, a much in, more interesting story as well um, to follow. It's a kind of Indiana Jones-esque story, I guess. Or a, it is a little of, bit, of a, actually, of a different yeah. era, but yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, just all of that together, the better storyline, it really does it for me. Yeah, there's a scene, isn't there, which is very evocative of the start of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. It's worth noting as well that the queue is fantastically themed. Uh, this and Haunted Mansion, in fact, almost all of the flat rides, the non-coasters, we didn't have to queue very long for any of them at all. But if, if you were backed up a little bit in the line for for Pirates, I don't think you'd resent it. There's, In, in fact, you know, I seem to recall that we we let people walk past us in the queue for pirates because we, we we were quite keen to sort of slow down and take it in and yeah try and get a better sense of what was going on and just appreciate all the handiwork and the craftsmanship so I think that speaks volumes to be fair yeah absolutely um, the, there's a lot going on just in the queue line and they at points they had uh, staff members coming down the queue and sort of interacting with the kids and that sort of thing um yeah, there's just so much going on. It's really impressive. Uh, so we, we've done the first, you know, our very first ride. We've done the two kind of Disney, <laughs> Disney rip-offs, but I, I don't mean it. I don't mean it in a negative way. Uh, I think the other sort of collection of rides, if you like, where Europa Park really does uh, take something Disney has been known for and, and runs with it, uh, are all the transportation options that are littered around the park. And yes. I think they deserve uh, a good little chat as well. So there are, you know, various uh, water-based transportation rides, which, I mean, I personally think they are really elegantly laid out with some really beautiful views. There's one which are in, uh, one that's in sort of a traditional, uh, traditional swan boats uh, when you're going around a little lake which is yep. which is very pleasant indeed, um, but I think the the train rides are are the highlight. Um, you've got the Euro Park Express, uh, which I took. If I do say so, such a sublime photo of it was actually shared by Europa Park on their socials. Yes, it, uh, it's also it on my background phone. For yeah. yeah, is it still? Is it still? It's my summer background. You know, theme park. Oh, right. It's my theme park uh, going background uh yeah so this is um this is a monorail basically you can catch at various stations around the park and again i think is a great way of just soaking up the park getting some great views but also generally and um, getting around because it is such a big park that um you know the transportation options purely from that perspective are very welcome indeed yeah uh, for sure. and then you've got what they what they literally call the monorail <laughs> confusingly yes um yeah so this one is a kind of open top um it's uh, a little bit more like the uh the tomorrowland transit authority um, yeah and doesn't go a, a across quite as much of the park as the europa park express 
but again i think is uh is well worth doing um, it goes around uh i think the, the majority of that is in the iceland section of the park so you get quite a good view of the river rapids for example and blue fire um, mm. whereas the europa park express train um goes a little bit further afield yeah, uh, what did you make of these, Josh? You you like trains? You you at one point took us on a detour on this road trip to go and experience a an actual uh, inverted monorail. Yeah. So, um, given that, you you must have been pretty hyped by Europa Park's commitment to rail transportation options. Yes, absolutely. Um, big fan um, of both of these, uh, especially the big one. I love a big monorail. Something about big monorails that I just really enjoy. Um, and it gave you know good views of all the different areas of the park. It, you know, it started. You could pick it up in Alexander Alexander Platz, which is um, the entrance to the theme park, um, and then goes through all the different areas of the park, through the hotels and that sort of thing. Um, oh yeah, and yeah, I thought this was really really cool. Um, and then on a smaller scale, obviously you got the other monorail, which. Uh, was for me uh i just love bigger monorails the bigger monorail is always a better experience for me but it was still a very good monorail and you got to see uh it it means you can get a little bit closer to things as well because it's a smaller monorail which is kind of cool and it kind of went through a couple of little buildings like the uh um the loop restaurant for example uh, oh yes which is kind of cool uh yeah the and obviously then you've got the actual train as well. Which I seem to recall you struggled to... It, this almost felt like a miniature train that wasn't designed for anyone above six feet. Uh, yes, it was a bit of a squeeze, this one, that's for sure. Uh, but again, had a, it was an interesting... Had a nice loop that it went through, interacted with a couple of different rides, uh, stopped off in a couple of different locations, and that's always good fun. Yeah, you on that train actually it, it was the vibe was grommet on the train set in the uh, wrong trousers. <laughs> uh you mentioned the loop restaurant there. I mean, as you have, I think we need to mention it. Uh, this is a, a roller coaster restaurant where the food is served quote unquote by roller coaster. Yes. Uh, so we went in here for dinner on day 2, uh, I believe it was. Mm. Uh, day one we actually had a um, very nice pizza um stone baked pizza they cook it right in front of you we had um, that in france didn't we? we had it in france it's a bit confusing so a very much an italian themed restaurant but which actually sort of was definitely more in the france pavilion than the italian one yes uh, but- so the the restaurant um straddles the two lands i guess you could say mm. it's in the middle of the two and there's an entrance on both sides it kind of almost felt like they built it on the Italian side and went, oh, we could put another French restaurant in here or we could just put another entrance and seating area in the French area but connect it to the Italian restaurant, and that's what they did. Uh, so the way you get your food in here, it's not table service, it's, it's, it's quick service. So you, get, you go up to the, uh, to the part that you want and, and, and order what you like. But with the pizzas, it's not like they're all just sitting there uh, and you just pick it up and go. Um, there are, you know, the chefs are basically shouting at you, what do you want? And then you stand there for a few minutes, uh, they cook it in front of you and then basically chuck it at you and then you go and get your pudding or your dessert, pick up whatever else you might want and then yeah. and then head to the tills. Uh, I thought this was the best pizza. I've had a couple of pizzas on this trip, including one at Fantasia Land, so not Fantasia Land, um, Efteling, which we spoke about. 
uh, and that was pretty good. But I thought this was the best pizza I had on the trip. Uh, and it cost about nine euro, which was pretty good value, I thought, for the size and quality of the pizza. Yeah, I thought the pizza was pretty decent. I thought the whole meal was pretty decent, actually. Um, good. And and the speed at which it was delivered to us or, or you know, thrown in our face by the uh, chefs as they're quickly sho- shoving it out the oven and getting another one in for someone else. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm here for the pace of the chefs. Yeah. Exactly. Although, you know, you you do well to serve food any faster than in Food Loop, where it literally barrels towards your table down a track. So, I mean, we just felt obligated to give this one a go. Yeah, uh, Booking, I think, is encouraged at this one. Obviously, the novelty factor means it can get quite busy. Essentially, you rock up, they sit you down at a, a pretty communal table, um, there's a bit of a Wagamama's vibe uh, if you've been there. But yeah. rather than sort of set up like benches, these are circular tables with uh, a roller coaster track hurtling down the centre of it. Um, you order your food by touchscreen. Uh, you know, you tell it what table you're at, etc. Um, so it can work out where the food needs to be sent. And then um, the the food, it, it seems, is is obviously prepared in the kitchen. It's placed in, uh, I guess, travel-friendly compartments <laughs> attached <laughs> to the roller coaster track, uh, at which point it will hurtle down a, a pretty good rate of knots towards your table, um, spiral down the centre, and uh, and eventually come to a spot uh, stop rather. And you have the slightly awkward, um, you know, situation where if it's if it's ended up on the other side of the table you kind of need to wave across and be like excuse me mate i think that's my burger that's just sort of hurtled down towards you and it kind of has to be uh pushed along the rest of the way yeah you can sort of spin the middle but that it, it's uh, a little yeah, like a turntable yeah and i thought the burger was pretty good actually yeah i had a vegan one i think you just had a, a standard one josh and they they were perfectly fine i thought the pasta uh, was very good it was one of the better uh i think at the time i actually said it was uh, probably one of the best uh, burger patties that I've had. Whatever, uh, not just in a thing park. Yeah, um, the overall oh. the overall burger wasn't the best. Um, I think, but the uh, the patty was very good. That's the most important part, I would argue. So, uh, yeah, done pretty well there. Yeah, I absolutely. seem to remember the bap being very flowery, uh, which uh, is not my favourite. It wasn't a seeded bap. Yeah. No, but I think that may be. Um, a smart choice on their part to try and because uh, where it comes in like the kind of saucepan shape with the lid um, mm. the flour can then soak in that steam so it doesn't affect the bun so much oh wow spoken like a true chef yes incredible I've no- I've been known to bake so yeah well that's true yeah uh, I have not <laughs> but yes, they do arrive in sort of little mini saucepans. You're right. That's not a bad way of uh, of describing describing that. And so yeah, we, we ate pretty well at Europa Park overall. I think you know we, we stopped for pretzels at one point as well. Yeah, when in Rome and all that. And those were pretty good. You did have a bratwurst. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. That's pretty good. Yeah, good bratwurst. But yeah, um, the main meals, i.e., the pizza and the burgers, were were pretty good indeed. So I, I think you will eat well at Europa Park if uh, if you choose to to indulge on on a trip there. Uh, very good indeed, and and lots and lots of beer everywhere you go. There is beer. Yeah. 
Oi, oi. Right. Okay. Uh, let's touch on some of the other sort of non-coaster highlights then. Uh, we've got Volatarium, Josh, which I, I mean, you were pretty hyped by because this is uh, very much a soaring alike. Yeah. Uh, but you are you are purely flying o- across Europe rather than the world as soaring takes you over now. But the technology, uh, the ride system, it's all very much the same as soaring. Um, yeah. How did you find this one as someone who you know you've soured on soaring a little bit since it uh, since it went global rather than yes. just uh, flight over California? How did this one stack up? Uh, I thought it was okay. Um, it was it's always good fun to do a soaring ride and get the smells and the sights and the smells and that sort of thing. Um, it does feel uh, like a cheaper version of soaring. It's obviously definitely smaller. Um, mm. And it, I think it it is affected by the same issue that Soaring Over the World gets, where if you're not sat slap bang in the middle of the screen, then you do, you know, the Eiffel Tower looks wonky. Yeah. <laughs> Everything not... is the leaning tower of something on the yes. Soaring rides. Yes, which is not a great look. No. Uh, less uh, vertical, straight things, more... Uh, generic vistas I would argue is needed on these rides yeah I think my favourite part of volunt- Volatarium was, was the setup. so while Soarin' of course is almost you know it's like you're at an airport Yeah, this one is far more steampunk inspired and, and is actually very similar in that way to fly at Fantasia Land so they're a yeah. decent little double act and, and, and Volatarium would, would fit in pretty nicely actually in, in good old Rookburg at Fantasia mm. Land I agree with you, though. You know, the the screen technology that they use on those rides does have its limits. And um, given that we weren't sat right in the middle, uh, you know, it did sort of uh, come apart at the seams a little bit. But I'm still glad to have done it. And once again, I thought the the theming in the queue uh, and the ride building overall, you know, coming in from the outside was really, really great. And there's every chance that this is the first ride you do because it's just off, like, the main entranceway and you're walking through kind of a, a, a Germanic village uh, is kind of what Europa Park goes for in terms of its main street and yeah. uh, the entrance to Volatarium is, is just off that so yeah it, it could very easily be the first ride you do and would be a would be a solid way to start the day I, I would say yeah I think it's so no Volo, no Volo Da Vinci of course that's the, no. uh, that's the way true fans start their day Absolutely. at Europa Park um, I think it is possible to miss uh, Volatarium though if you're not careful because it is literally as you walk through the gate it's it's on the left there um, so you could walk past it and not realise it's there you might think you know it's oh, maybe yeah. guest relations is down there or something like that yeah it's very easy to miss it's almost like the toilets off to the left when you come into Islands of Adventure that's where, Volatar- <laughs> that's where yeah. Volatarium is yeah. in Europa Park so yeah. It is it is difficult. Uh, sorry, it is easy to miss, uh, but try not to. It's it is just about worth your time. I would say. I, th- I think w- one other one of the other kind of indoor uh, dark rides that I wanted to mention was uh, Madame Freudenreich's Curiosities. <laughs> Uh, the tagline on this is journey through grandma's hilarious dinosaur god which i mean i'm sold i don't need to <laughs> i don't yeah. need to know any more about that uh i mean that is what it is you're going through an old lady's garden she's got loads of pet dinosaurs including 
uh, a Diplodocus or maybe a Brachiosaur with what looked like an Arsenal scarf on. So I was I was very happy to see an Arsenal supporting dinosaur, <laughs> or at least I projected him to be an Arsenal supporting dinosaur. Those yeah. are just about my two favourite things. So, um, I mean, so I didn't notice, but there is actually a, a mural above the main entrance which has said dinosaur in said Arsenal scarf. Oh, really? Yes. Um, I think we were both caught off guard by the dinosaurs because we hadn't seen this mural. Uh, no. And so we, we were on it and was like, hang on a second, what's, what's all with all the dinosaurs? <laughs> what's, going on? what's going on here? Uh, you know, I was expecting like a little, I don't know, uh, like a quaint fairy tale, like storybook kind of a kind of an experience. I thought maybe, oh, is this going to be like a grandma telling classic fairy tales to her grandchildren and yeah. we're going to go through it in ride form but no no this is a, an old lady who as I say keeps dinosaurs in her garden and uh, they're having like a, a picnic a tea party uh, out in front of the dinosaur with the Arsenal scarf on he's just got a table full of delightful looking cakes it's uh, it, it's it's crazy it's a vibe it's unlike anything else um, how's it compared to Jurassic Park River Adventure Josh for you <laughs> Uh, well, I think the animatronics stand up far better these days than uh, Jurassic Park River Adventure. <laughs> yeah. I think they should put an Arsenal scarf on the T-Rex, though. I'd be up for that. Or just replace him with Gunnosaurus. I mean, he's right there. He's yeah. ready to go. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's a no-brainer, really. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh just a quick whistle top store through some of the other rides, Josh. And um, I think the only one maybe that's worth going into really is the river rapids um we also did atlantis adventure which is kind of like a shoot 'em up buzz lightyear style uh laser quest ride it's oh, yeah. yeah it's uh it's pretty bare bones it, it's um it feels like something with the greatest respect that you know a, an aquarium might have in the back like oh you want to pay an extra five and do our little shoot 'em up game before you leave it, it, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't dissimilar to that i think in a park where as i said earlier um, they do wear their uh, inspirations on their sleeve but they do at least really go big and you don't feel like they've cut corners or skimped on costs this is one of the rare rides where it did feel perhaps like hmm, they didn't throw everything they had at this one uh, which is fine. You don't have to do that for every ride. Some just need to be there to kind of eat up people, so to speak. Yeah. But, you know, I wouldn't rush to do this one again. I think it's uh, fair to say. No, absolutely. Uh, and I, I'd I, put Cassandra's Curse in the same camp. Uh, yes. So I, obviously, naturally, I won Atlantis Adventure and uh, Cassandra's Curse is um, another madhouse. They love a madhouse in Europe. I think, for me... Something that is an absolute must-do at Europa Park. Oh. Normally, I'm, you know, pretty indifferent to these kinds of things, really. But their viewing tower, um, which is aptly named Euro Tower, yes, uh, seventy-five meters high, incredible views of the parks, and no better way to appreciate that Europa Park really does look like somebody's roller coaster tycoon save than by going up to the top of this. Uh, it does, uh, you know, rotates all the way around. 360 degree view of the entire park and um, you can see the Rhine Valley the Black Forest as well from all the way up there some really spectacular views but again like I say 
um, no better way to appreciate the scope and scale of the park and just how much is in there. It is incredible. So I would uh, absolutely recommend that you uh, queue up and do the Euro Tower. Yeah, hundred percent. You can see you can see everything. You can even see into the pool at the hotel. It's uh, quite incredible what you can see up the top of this thing. Uh, you know, we mentioned it last time, but I thought the a little bit anyway. The log flume was very good with the interactions with the the tunnel and the um, mm. and the the mine train, uh, and then obviously the rapids as well. I thought were very good. Absolutely. Um, and instantly, now we're in wintertime, it has been turned into an ice rink. They turned the river rapids into an ice rink? How'd they uh, do that? Yeah, so there's a bit where there's like a lake in the middle of it, and they've turned the lake section into an ice rink. Oh. Yes. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, and they've also put a big Ferris wheel up as well. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Uh, I assume there's like a Christmas market as well, and... Things uh, like that. Yeah, there are a lot of Christmassy things going on. There's uh, Christmas shows and Christmas market and that sort of thing. Um, all of the water rides are shut. I mean, like I said, I mean, there are lots of kind of kiddie rides, if you like, that, that we didn't touch. That you know, There is an absolute ton of stuff here. There really is. I mean, the, the London section of the park, for example, or the UK section of the park, all the rides there are, are you know, kiddie flat rides um, that we didn't do. Uh, there's one where you drive around in in vintage cars. Um, there's what was that? There was a taxi ride, wasn't there? That was crazy taxi. It was almost it was almost like a swinging ship for babies, like a pirate ship for oh, babies. But you're you were talking in a about black the London. Cab. You're talking about the London bus. Oh, is that the London bus? Apologies. Yes. Uh, crazy ta- taxi is a bit like the uh, what's the ride? The ride that's at Hollywood Studios in Toy Story Land. Oh, um, the 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 alien spinning saucers, right? The, yes. Yeah. Okay. That's not a bad point of comparison, I guess. I mean, I did stop for some fish and chips in Old Blighty or Europa yeah. Park's Old Blighty. You know, yeah, I, would have been some, rude not to. I got some uh, roasted almonds. Oh, those were good, actually. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Actually, yeah, the standard of the standard of food was high. I think yeah, everything from f- the burgers and the pizza to the snacks. Probably my favourite snack item from the whole holiday. Actually, those almonds. All right. Well, that's uh, that's Europa Park. It's a fantastic theme park. There is an impossible. There is an impossible number of attractions. To be quite frank, uh, I mean we've got through over the course of two episodes quite a lot of them, and there are still some on the cutting room floor. Yeah. It's a part that can easily, easily sustain two or more full-on days, especially given that there are so many good um, entertainment options as well, shows and things like that that we barely touched. Um, as you say, uh, stuff specifically for Christmas too, uh, loads of places to eat, drink and be merry. There are gardens to walk around. I mean, it's absolutely stacked and fun for the whole family, I think. Uh, you know, the types of rides, the types of attractions, the types of experiences, even the types of restaurants. It just feels like they really have been designed in a way that people of all generations can enjoy them. And sometimes that feels like a bit of a lazy critique, like people say Disney's fun for the whole family. I don't, you know, that might not necessarily be true at this point because of you know the atmosphere the vibe of those parks 
okay on paper. They might have rides that your four-year-old um, nephew can do and so can your 75-year-old grandma, but would they want to is maybe the question. Your open yeah, park, sure. I walked around and genuinely thought, you know what, there are things here that maybe not my nan um, of her current age, but my nan of maybe a few years ago would genuinely have found enjoyment in. There is stuff here that, um, you know, the youngest of children could find enjoyment in. And obviously there was plenty there that we very much enjoyed as well. So I can't speak highly enough of the place overall. And it was, I think, by far my favourite theme park of the trip. Uh, yeah, I, I think overall, I think I would agree uh maybe some better rides elsewhere but overall the, as mm. a park it's uh definitely top yeah i think so I, I i think like there are higher highs perhaps at fantasia land but taken as an overall package europa park for me is uh it is kind of a quintessential theme park experience it's got just about everything that you might want from yeah. a theme park and uh yeah i i think it's a it's of a level where i would um I would dedicate a trip to it if you had any sort of interest in it whatsoever. I think it's worth. I think it's worth a, a, a dedicated trip to go to Europa Park. It's not just an in the neighbourhood kind of a park. It's, no, uh, for sure. Stands alone. Yes, and I think you know the fact that it's owned by Mac Rides, so it's basically a test bed for all of their different types of rides. Means there is such variety here that you can get a taste of things from around the world. So there we are, Josh. That's it. That's wow. the end. Can you believe it? Of Euro Rush. Wow. Would you go back? What would, be, would you go back to any of these parks in, you know, the, the not too distant future, say the next few years? I mean, uh, just to, to sum up, I suppose, one, one running theme across uh, certainly Efteling, Fantasialand and Europa Park is that they're not resting on their laurels. They were all actively working on new attractions for the next few years. So could you see yourself returning to any of them or, or at least wanting to? Uh, yeah, I, I, certainly wanting to. Um, I think uh, maybe in the near term, um, some of the, you know, Europa Park might be a little out of the way for some of my uh, planned or potentially planned uh, trips abroad um, and, and maybe so Efteling and Fantasialand to be fair you know they're in they're in sort of areas where I'm not necessarily holidaying straight away but they're all parks that I will keep uh, actively interested in going forward more so than I was already doing so because um, I want to see what good is they always have coming from now on yeah I think for me they fall into the category of like I'm not going to sort of commit to a 2025 or, you know, I must go back to Fantasialand by 2025 in the same way that I might think, oh, I must get back to Florida by 2025 to see Europe, um, to see Epic Universe or, or just, to, you know, to go back to the parks that I've grown up loving. But as you say, they're the parks, they're parks that I will keep an eye on and they're the kind of parks where, you know, if I ended up in a situation where, oh, I've got, a week's worth of leave that I simply must take or I lose it. Is there something I can do to make the most of it that isn't just stay at home? And I might have a quick look at Fantasialand tickets and see how viable it might be just to hop over there because I know how much I enjoyed it and how great it is and how mm. doable it is. So I think they fall into that kind of 
into that kind of bucket for me. They are, you know, places I know that I will enjoy, places that are relatively easy to get to and places that I will keep in kind of my back pocket for maybe impromptu trips in the uh, years ahead. Yes, absolutely. You know, uh, one of the one of the places I want to go is uh, Munich. And if I was maybe to drive there, all three of those parks could potentially uh, be on the route. So if they're on the route, it'd be rude not to stop. Exactly. Perfect way of putting it. And as I say, that's it. Euro Rush is done. I heartily recommend, perhaps more so than than for any of the other parks to go and watch the Europa Park travel vlogs on the Park Rush YouTube channel. I think that you owe it to yourself to get a sense of just how much is going on at Europa Park and uh, it comes across pretty well in the two vlogs. Uh, you can find those in the show notes. And if you want to get in touch with the show, email us. It's podcast at parkrush.com. Uh, that would be a, a good option if you want to squeeze in any questions or tips ahead of our trip to Disneyland Paris, which is coming up this week. So look forward to plenty of content from there, both in real time, on the ground, and also, of course, podcasts and vlogs in the weeks to come. Uh, stay safe and take it easy out there. Everybody, we'll see you on the other side of Disneyland. Goodbye. See ya. See ya.